it's just the, probably the most exciting race to run in. Uh, the crowd support is just insane. But uh, I'm just happy to be healthy and lucky enough to go back year after year. That's ultramarathon icon Mark Godale of Northeast Ohio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Tellage Talks. Today, as this podcast is being posted, the Boston Marathon is being run from Hopkinton, Massachusetts, 26.2 miles to downtown Boston. And for Mark and his brother Steve, it's 26 straight Boston marathons. That's quite a feat. And in the case of Mark, running Boston is truly a small part of his ultramarathon success. He was one time the American record holder for 24 hours. He ran 162.4 miles over that span, and the record stood for more than a decade. He has run all over the country, from western states to Badwater, to our big 100-mile ultra, the Burning River 100, also is raced at Mohican as well. He tackled the legendary Spartathlon race in Greece. So recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with Mark and chat, but not before we ran for about an hour down the streets of Cleveland, Ohio, just to get acquainted a little bit. I'd always admired his records, and I thought it was cool that Mark was one of our own. And if you can do me a favor, please spread this podcast around. Subscribe to it, rate it. Rate it nicely, please. (laughs) I want more and more people to be aware of what Mark has been able to accomplish in his career. So here comes Mark Odale on this edition of Tellage Talks. Mark, uh, first of all, thanks very much for for coming on the uh, the program with me. I've admired your running over the years because you're you're one of the pioneers of the ultra marathon scene in Cleveland. You feel like a pioneer? <laughs> um, I feel old, I guess, but um, yeah, I sort of feel like I was part of the original uh, group that started running, especially in the Cleveland Akron area. Mm-hmm. What got you into it? Um, just started running uh, more miles after college at the University of Akron. Um, someone said, Hey, uh, you're running high miles. Why don't you do this, um, an ultra marathon? And I'm like, what's an ultra marathon? And he goes, it's a race over 31 miles. So I just hopped into, uh, Mohican 100, uh, back in June of 95. And that's how it all began. Can you give people a sense of what it was like to be in an ultra marathon that many years ago compared to what anyone who's listening now who's in the scene now knows it's a little more crowded a little bit more commercialized um i think back in the day was more of it just had more of a family type of an atmosphere Mm -hmm. um you know races uh back then um you could sign up the day before and uh you know uh after the race just hang out with a bunch of guys and you know just talk about running and but back then there was limited amount of races so you saw a lot of the same faces and um it was nice to see that group of people i guess well and and i'm kind of curious too as to you ran such far distances you set the american record of 162 and a half miles for 24 hours which is just an, an insane amount of running what was the impetus for you getting from 
being a college runner to someone who would run such extreme, you know, distances and be able to do it in 24 hours? Um, I think I actually like the challenge and the competitiveness mm -hmm. of, of running. Um, back then I was running 120, 140 miles a week. And, um, I noticed that I was getting faster and better and, uh, started to win some races. And then it was nice. You started to get respect from other runners and you sort of felt like, I guess, part of a family of this group of, of, of runners that were sort of, I guess, considered elite back in that day. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're at the point where you're running marathon distances, you get into ultra marathons in the back, in, in your mind, I mean, where did you cross the bridge from, I think I can do this to where I actually know I can be really good at this? Um, I think sort of it was luck of being in the time period. Okay. But I always I always loved running uh, marathons. That's basically how I started. Um, I, I think it was uh, my freshman year at Akron. I ran um, I ran a Cleveland Marathon on a bet. I talked huh. to a I talked to a friend into a non-runner to run the Cleveland 10K, and he goes, "Well, if you run the 10K, and you ran for Akron, you should ante up and run the marathon." So that's how I ended up running my first marathon. So you got into it, and then the sports evolved to the point now where it's very popular. More and more of the runners have become more widely known. We're seeing guys running these FKTs, you know, uh, fastest known uh, times for distances and what have you. Do you like the direction it's taken, Mark? Um, it has its pluses and minuses. It's nice to see more people actually doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I guess the one thing that I miss is the uh, the the seeing the i guess the uh, people more often because mm -hmm. now there's so many races uh you know there's so many races that there's so many different people winning races so um i'm actually on the committee to pick ultra run of the year oh okay and so it's hard to go down that list and evaluate who's running what and and per per race because a lot of guys may not be running a race that is that competitive and have a lot more wins that someone like jim momsley is running key races and going after not only a course record, but just smoking fast times. Mm -hmm. And you're getting the people, you just mentioned Jim Wamsley, for those that aren't aware, just incredibly fast runner, but yet he's, he's won Western States. He's He's been ultra runner of the year, and uh, he just seems to be pushing the bar out there more and more, isn't he? Yeah, Jim is uh, a great guy. He, is, um, came, he actually came from a track and field background. I believe his PR is 404 for the mile. And he just ran, uh, I think it was a month ago, he ran the Houston uh, half marathon in 104 to qualify for the trial. So he has the road speed, but yet when he runs Western, he's not afraid to go out hard and push his body to the limit. Because mm -hmm. the, be the year before at Western, he pushed himself too hard and and actually didn't finish the race. So it was nice to see him win uh, the following year. You've run races like uh, Bad Water. For people that are not aware, that's 135 miles. It's out there in Death Valley. Just How difficult was that? Um, you know, it was bad for me because I I ran Western States, like I think it was two weeks before. Oh. But I didn't really... I should have got out there early to get used to the heat. So I just like sort of almost winged it. But it was... Uh, you know, the course itself didn't bother me that much, but it was... Obviously, the heat was just insane. Mm -hmm. And that's really tough for people to, to, to deal with. Now, 
uh, we're recording this a few days before the Boston Marathon, which will be your 26th in a row. You and your brother Steve, and who else in the Northeast Ohio has um, a string of so many in a row? Jeff Sile from Hudson. He has a streak. I think he's one ahead of me and my brother. And then John Plow from Ravenna, I believe he has, I think he's on 30. Okay. So. So what's it been like running it all these years, and how has that experience changed for you? Um, the experience obviously has changed from uh, the first couple years. It was sort of smaller, and then it's just getting bigger, bigger and better. And uh, it's just probably the most exciting race to run in. Uh, the crowd support is just insane. But uh, I'm just happy to be healthy and lucky enough to go back year after year. And what was the experience like that first year? I mean, you were ultra competitive. You were you were one of the young guns. Um, I think my first couple of Bostons were uh, were actually a little rough, but then I started to figure out the course, and then uh, I started to run in the low 230s there. And uh, I mean, some of the excitement of running through Wellesley, which is an all-girls school, with just screaming at you. Uh, one of my funniest, I guess, it, sort of a the year I ran my PR at Boston with, uh, I think I think it's three miles to go. The T is actually parallel with the runners. Okay. And so I remember running, and I was running the same pace as the T, and just the people on the T were banging in the window so hard, like my hair started to stand up on end <laughs> just because it was so amazing. <laughs> and then uh, with actually the last the last 300 meters to go on the race course, I, I turned the corner and I'm running down the road toward the finish line and uh, people started to scream and yell so loud. It was like a wave of sound coming with me. And I thought someone was kicking me down and I turned around and there wasn't anyone behind me. So it was actually them cheering for me as I was running progression toward the finish line. It was just just an amazing experience to run, you know, a low 230s at Boston. Um, I think that year I was maybe top 30 something I wow. know I think I was like seventh seventh or eighth U.S. citizen that year also that is pretty cool but Boston's also it's a chance to kind of catch up with your all the other friends in the in the running industry right or running the sport yeah, of running for sure it's a great weekend um you know sort of long since the race is on Monday so hang out with old friends like uh Scott Jerks coming there this year Michael Wardian is I think he has a streak of like maybe 18 Boston's um you know the Ashers who make the finishing medals, uh, good friends with them, and it's nice to nice to see them every year, and uh, just even the local guys that I run with here in Cleveland, Akron area, you know, hang out with them, just uh, just chilling and you know enjoying the weekend. Well, you started a running group, a downtown running group. What's that vibe been like over the years that you've had it going? Um, I was I was away from them for a while, but uh, we're the downtown dingoes, and so it's like uh, you know just. Uh, most of, most of the guys are actually lawyers, so it's pretty pretty fun to hang out with them. And uh, one guy is really into music. Actually, a couple guys are into, really into music, so it's nice talking about you know non-running stuff a lot of the times and just you know enjoying getting away from work and and chilling. So it's a uh, it's actually a fun time. So. Anybody who's free at Cleveland at around 12.05, we meet in front of the Y. <laughs> right in front of the Y. Okay, let's bounce back to Boston. And something happened that p- pretty much everybody in the news is, is aware of. Six years ago, you had the bombings uh, that happened at the Boston Marathon. Can you take us through, Mark, what the experience was like for you? You obviously finished before this happened, right? 
Yeah, so I finished the race, and I actually uh, was in the Lennox Hotel, which overlooks the finish line, and I was actually hanging out with the uh, Ashworths, Dan and Kim, and the bombs had went off, and um, we could see the damage from the bomb and where the window was, and uh, there was someone that someone actually drug toward mm-hmm. our toward our, our building, and you could just see the amount of blood, and it was just, uh, you know, just, just devastating... And just just after the fact, you know, the whole bombing, it's hard to comprehend, you know, someone walking up behind that eight year old and dropping off a bomb. It's like who who you just can't comprehend it. Mm -hmm. And so you come back the next year and what's the vibe like in the city uh, uh, vis-a-vis what happened just, you know, 365 days previous? The city was pretty, pretty excited about uh, about the race coming back and. uh, you know the big theme with the Boston Strong, but it was still sort of you. You just weren't comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, coming back the next year. At least I wasn't, because you know, it was just too too close to home. You know, someone you know ruined <laughs> an event I've gone to for so many years, and it was it was really hard to get back the next year. And you know, because you just didn't, you know, it was just it just didn't seem the same. Mm-hmm. Mark, could you ever sat back and thought why you run so far or why you did run so far when you, we were at your best? Um, what, what about you that kind of pushed you to do that, pushed it in that direction? You know, I just, way? I just loved, I just loved that time of, of freedom to just go out and, you know, enjoy running. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like for me, a lot of my miles were like riding a bicycle. It was just a nice, easy motion, um, just to get away and, and then I started to win races and I start to get more competitive and you get you get excited you know when you you know it's nice to uh actually I I think I won my first marathon and then uh and then I started to win some ultras but the feeling of of knowing you won the race with like five miles to go is just you know a nice I guess uh excitement it's Mm. like uh, being being able to do that and knowing that you were good enough, you had the miles, the base of miles that could carry you to a strong performance, probably carried you a long way. Yeah, I was I was pretty serious about training. I was running high miles per week, and on Tuesday I was doing uh, speed work on the track, and then Thursday I was, I was doing a hard tempo run, you know, 5.30, 5.45 pace for like 10 miles. So um, it was more of the, if you keep on the consistency, consistency dedication, and training, you know, when you go to race day, your confidence will be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. And it's more of, it was more of not necessarily a fun experience for you. If the mileage is in and you feel comfortable, as they say, the haze in the barn, then you feel that the race is going to be much more successful because you don't have to worry too much. Right. I was pretty, pretty confident. And, uh, also I was very educated about, um, especially ultras about nutrition and what okay. to take. So what'd um, you take back then? And what do you think of what people take now? You know, um, I used to always, uh, when I was running competitively at for the, especially for the hundred K team, uh, my teammates and I were very close and we'd always talk about what we use to, um, you know, to, you know, get your body going, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, especially if they beat you, you go, Hey, what did you do that? I didn't do that. Make myself better. So we weren't shy about, you know, talking about it. So for my bread and butter, I guess, uh, for, her, uh, for, uh, for running was, uh, Peanut butter was one of my main fuels. Um, mashed potatoes okay. were a main fuel. It was a quick, 
you know, the peanut butter helped was helping uh, slow down the breakdown of proteins. And, you know, I would take uh, mashed potatoes. It was easy to get down. And, uh, you know, even in some of the trail races, if you can get real food, get in real food. At least that, w- that was my objective when I was running hard. And then um, for marathons, I would typically use uh, power gels back mm-hmm. then. Do you think people overthink too much the nutrition for the shorter distances these days? Um, I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's too bad. I think I think some people are are not are almost carrying too much stuff yeah. in a in a road marathon, especially when there's you know water stops every every mile or two miles. Mm-hmm. What uh, where do you think the sport of ultra running is going? In what direction do you like the way it's going, Mark? You know I do like the way it, way it's going. Um, I think I was, I'm hoping more runners are going to be able to get sponsored okay. and be able to do it professionally. Um, I like to see, I enjoy seeing people push the limits of, of, of courses and, and race times. So I'm actually enjoying watching it. Mm-hmm. I also have been more and more curious, not that I'm going to step that far, hundreds as far as I could go, but these people that are doing the 200 mile distance, it seems to be like the new thing you have probably no desire to go that far um or not, maybe you're curious <laughs> not not with my uh my injury yeah I, you're dealing with but, a knee situation but it, it sort of intrigues me uh to go almost multiple days like that 200 miles uh <laughs> it sort of scares <laughs> me to go running for 200 miles but i do like some of the courses uh there, i think there was a, a moab two one 200 yeah. mile race and a tahoe you know, I like I like I do like the courses in running that go point to point. Okay. I think all the major courses in the world are point to point. If you look at Spartathlon in Greece, it's point to point. You look at Western States, it's point to point. Boston Marathon's point to point. Comrades in South Africa is even point to point. Even here in Northeast Ohio, right? Burning River. Uh, although I guess this year it's getting changed because of uh, things out of their uh, command, if you will. You mentioned Spartathlon. Describe for our listeners how grueling that race is and what it is. Um, in my opinion, Spartathlon is the best ultra road race in the world by far. Okay. Um, it's just uh, a, pilg- a pilgrimage of, of running. So supposedly Philippides, before he did the marathon, ran from uh, the Acropolis in Athens to Sparta to get the Spartans to fight off the Persians. And it's uh, 156 miles and it's point to point. And... Um, it's you start at 6 a.m. right at the Acropolis. It's just gorgeous start. Oh, that'd be awesome. And and you're just running. Uh, a lot of it's just open, open uh, road with no no shade whatsoever. So the sun's beating on you for the first 50 miles at least, and then uh, you start to get to mid mid evening, and then I, I hit mile 100 probably I'm guessing around midnight. And a mile 100, you actually climb over a mountain. And at one point, I was actually climbing on all fours. That's how steep it was. So it was pretty, pretty insane. And it's a, it's actually a small trail section of Spartathlon. But um, once, uh, once you get over the hill, you have 50 miles to get to Sparta. And uh, I just had issues with, uh, I just couldn't get enough nutrition in at that race because I had to use her aid stations and. I just couldn't get in the tradition that I actually wanted for myself for running. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was awesome because as you come into a village, all the little local kids come up and run run with you to get out of the village. A lot of the villages 
were really windy and it was sort of hard to navigate. Uh, but the kids would ride their bikes and actually sort of, you know, get you once you came into their community and then sort of lead you out. And um, just, uh, I just remember the last, uh, I think it was 10 miles you're heading down to Sparta and it's a pretty good descent. And uh, I actually had a, a vehicle behind me, a police vehicle, and it was so hot out the engine kept on revving and it just sort of drove me nuts and then uh so it got comical at the end so I'm just like staggering in and uh I'm still running a good time on I'm I'm just trying I'm just trying to you know keep my focus and uh literally with 200 meters to go a kid pulls up next to me on a bicycle and taps me on the shoulder and I look at him and then uh he taps me on the shoulder again and I look at him and he he takes his hand and he points backwards and uh he was notifying me that someone was trying to kick me down the last last. You know, oh, someone's th- coming up on you. Yeah, someone was trying to kick me down the last <laughs> two to three hundred miles of a hundred fifty-six mile race, but uh, but I used my uh, my road speed and uh, made sure I beat <laughs> you, him. You crushed him. But what was I mean? Just the amount of people that that are there for the start in 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 the little villages you mentioned, and then the finish must be really kind of cool. The, the finish, symbolically. Yeah, the finish is really cool because they give you uh, a chalice with river from or uh, I guess a. Uh, water from the Euphrates River, I believe. And then so uh, they actually, uh, you know, give you the laurel wreath and, uh, and it's, it's, a big de- it's a big deal for the people of Greece to, to, uh, for an outsider to come and run, run, you know, basically their Paul Revere of, uh, you know, of, uh, of Greece or, but it's, uh, but they also take off your shoes and socks and, and clean off your feet too after the race, which is, uh, uh, <laughs> pretty disgusting, <laughs> probably for them. But yeah, if you've seen our toes, or yeah, yeah, it's, probably don't it's a go... pretty ugly sight. <laughs> it's a very ugly sight. Well, I wish you the best of luck at Boston. Obviously, if people be listening to this, you guys will have already crushed the course, or at least be in the the process of it. And um, you really are one of the great runners in Northeast Ohio, and I think more and more people have to know your story. So that's why I wanted to have you on, my friend. Thank you, John. You got it. A little inside, folks. You may have heard some sirens during the course of that interview. That's because right after our run, we just kind of hopped into my car that was parked on Lakeside Avenue in Cleveland. I put a few more coins in the parking meter, and we made that our studio. And also, you might gain a greater bit of knowledge as to why I have the image of me embarking on a trail 100-mile adventure as our cover art for the podcast Tellage Talks. Because the running, the endurance races, whether they are the more than 100 triathlons I've been able to do over the course of so many years, or the ultra marathons, they kind of represent to me the explorative side of what makes me tick. The running in nature and on trails is a great way to stay sane while working in the cutthroat business of TV sport. It also, I think, gives me a greater appreciation for what the athletes I cover have to do when they get ready for a big event in their career. We will also have others who push the boundaries on future episodes of Tellage Talks. So again, once again, guys, thanks very, very much for listening. And thank you very much to Mark for his kind attention and putting up with my questions during our interview. And we'll see you the next time on Tellage Talks.